Let us worship God. A reading from the letter to the Ephesians, the first chapter, beginning with the 11th verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. O oh God, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for those who have carried them down over the ages. Open our hearts and minds that we might hear your voice for us today. Amen. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of God, who accomplishes all things according to God's counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In Christ, you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption of God's own people, to the praise of God's glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know God, so that, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, 
you may know what, it, what is the hope to which you have been called, the immeasurable, what are the riches of God's glorious inheritance among the, state, among the saints, and the immeasurable greatness of God's power for us, who believe according to the working of God's great power. God put this power to work in Christ when God raised him from the dead and seated him at God's right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And God has put all things under Christ's feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is Christ's body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. In the crisp of autumn, before the first snow, my grandfather showed up with a treasure wrapped in an old grocery bag. Bulbs, the kind that are buried each winter and offer light for generations. Though he was a forceful preacher, in his retirement he had little need 
for words. Peering into the bag, the grayish-brown bulbs were still cold with soil. Winter was near. My father knew what to do. I didn't know then the liturgy of the allium was part of our holding vigil. I didn't know the importance of company through the winter, that another living thing gets through it too. We get through it together. Twenty years after we said our final earthly goodbye, my grandfather's hopeful vigil continues. Amethyst-painted snowballs faithfully rise each spring, and my father says, Do you remember those? My dad's flowers are still blooming. To call someone a saint is to say many things. It is a loving way to refer to someone who has died. It is a reference to ancient martyrs, to persecuted Christians who in death were lifted to the heavens by their communities, and who some believe remain active in the lives of the living, able to intercede on our behalf. It is a reference to all Christians, to all the believers, both living and dead. And it even goes beyond religion, to all those who inspire, who challenge, who hold vigil with us through the winter. From its beginnings, there has been tension in the celebration of saints. In the early 7th century, they were leaned upon when trying to dissuade Romans from worshiping other gods. The Pantheon, a temple of all the gods, was converted into a church filled with saints. Then, during the Reformation, their statues were chiseled away from church walls for fear they were being worshipped as gods. Are they divine? Is honoring them to evade our own call on earth? Dorothy Day, founder of the Catholic Worker Movement, is said to have rebuffed being called a saint. Don't call me a saint. I don't want to be dismissed so easily, she said. In his Anthology of Saints, Robert Ellsberg explains the concern. By putting saints on a pedestal, we imply that their example poses no personal challenge. Taking their stories seriously, he asks, what do they have in common? They did not apply themselves to being saints, he says. If anything, they applied themselves seriously to the task of being human, understanding this vocation in the profound sense reflected in the old formulas of the catechism. Who made you? God made me. Why did God make you? God made me to know, love, and serve God in this world and to be happy with God in the next. No, the saints are not perfect humans, he says, but in their own individual fashion, they became authentic human beings, endowed with the capacity to awaken that vocation 
in others. Dorothy Day said, when they call you a saint, basically it means you are not to be taken seriously. Robert Ellsberg offers a different argument, that to call someone a saint means that their life should be taken with the utmost seriousness. It is a proof that the gospel can be lived. Our reading from Ephesians is thought to have been written by a student of St. Paul after he died. In his name, he writes to all the saints, to the community of believers still living in Ephesus and beyond. The delay of Jesus' return has lengthened, and the people have begun to wonder, what now? What is our hope? if Jesus doesn't return the way we imagined. As tensions build faction against faction, they compete for chosen status. Who remains included? What is our role now? Paul's student answers. The work Jesus and his disciples began is ours to continue. Though we came to this community from different starting points, some born into it, others engrafted later in life, together, he says, we are the stones of the temple, and in our midst, God dwells. There is no stone untouched by God's presence, so full are the skirts of God's robes. And our hope is not so distant or far-fetched. It is the simple and immeasurable hope found in kindness, mercy, truth, and compassion. That is the greatness of God, and it's ours to give. In the midst of a long winter, we are the promise of roots blossoming. As the community of 7th Avenue, we have a rich inheritance of people who dared to be hope. People who believed in peace, welcomed conscientious objectors of war, and those in need of sanctuary around the world. People who also took seriously the lives of those going to war and who in prayer held vigil with them. People who were willing to touch and share meals and welcome real human beings, siblings in our community, living and dying with AIDS. People who affirmed the belovedness of God's children remain forever intact and who celebrated the love known by each of us, gay, lesbian, straight, and bisexual. We have a rich inheritance of people people moved by children and seniors, and who responded to a call for affordable housing by building it next door. People who affirmed the church should always be a forum for controversial issues and who, in support of civil rights, rose to the streets and joined the march in Selma. We have a rich inheritance of people people who stood with exploited and trafficked women among us, 
people who believed in our wholeness and our strength as a community. These are our roots, and they're still blossoming. Though it would be easy to become intimidated by our saints, they are not so very different from us. They started very simply by showing up, keeping vigil with one another, sharing celebrations and meals, witnessing each other's lives, listening to our truths and our stories, naturally inspire us to respond. It's like bulbs planted before winter. When spring comes, new life will find its way through the soil. I come from a simple people, strong but simple, who knew the way through the winter. We get through it together. My grandfather brought his children wherever he had to go. As a young child, my father spent hours in hospital waiting rooms alone as his father visited patients. Now my father holds that memory fondly. When pressed, he becomes wistful, saying, my dad was most at home when he was visiting someone. My aunt's favorite stories to tell are of visiting the state penitentiary in Canyon City as little girls. They light up with laughter as they remember performing songs for the inmates my grandfather was visiting. Start over, Sandra would say each time she played the wrong note. So Judy would start singing again. When the song finished, imperfect though it was, they looked out and saw a room of men moved to tears. In that moment, children had become saints by showing up. On this All Saints Sunday, we remember those who held company with us and believed in our spring. Glory be to God for them and to the promise of roots still blossoming. Alleluia. Amen.
As we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God.
Holy God, you have fed us in word, in song, in silence, and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Go forth strengthened by the memory of those who have held company with you and hold fast to the promise of your blossoming. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love, be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen.